Hello, and welcome to the Student Ministry Conversations podcast with your hosts, Brent Aiken, David Pruitt, and Russell Martin. This podcast is all about equipping, encouraging, and inspiring youth pastors weekly with topics that are brought to the table by youth pastors from all over the world. And now, here's your host for this week, Brent Aiken. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. If this is your first time listening to us, we want to welcome you and invite you over to our website, studentministryconversations.org, where you can find all of our previous episodes, show notes, and blog articles. Our goal is that you're inspired, encouraged, and the things that you hear on this podcast can equip you to be a better student pastor for the church that you're serving in. Today, we are sitting down again with Stephen Gehring. And if you've been listening to this show for a while, Stephen was one of the first guests on our show. I believe he was like episode five, if I I had to think back. I'm not 100% sure, but it was pretty close to there. I think he was episode five, and now he's going to be like episode 116. So Uh, There's been a little bit of time in between the two episodes, but Mm -hmm. um, we're sitting down with Stephen today to revisit his original topic, which is pastoral care. And so before we get going too far, Stephen, tell us about yourself again, uh, where you are, what uh, family, all that fun stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, again, like Brent said, my name is Stephen Gehring. I'm the student and counseling pastor at Oak Street Baptist Church in Graham, Texas. Uh, My family and I have been here for about four and a half years. I've been doing student ministry for 11 years now. And uh, for the past, yeah, the past four, four and a half years, I've been doing counseling as well. I went and got my master's in biblical counseling from Dallas Theological Seminary, uh, specifically for Christian workers, for for you guys, for people who do what we do day in and day out, uh, because I know the the struggle and the grind and the sacrifices that we have to make. And so uh, I just, years ago, the Lord put it on my heart to uh, to serve the people that are serving the people. And so um, I am so excited to be back talking with you today. I've been married to my wife, Julianne, for 12 years now, and we have two kids. Evelyn, our daughter, is eight, and our son, Rowan, is five. He's going to be six here in a couple weeks. And uh, my wife teaches, and we are we are passionate about students, and we are passionate about about people who do what we do day in and day out. It's so important um, to us, just as a family, as part of our ministry, to to care for <laughs> to care for youth pastors because it's it's a challenge um, to do what we do. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for having me back on. Yeah, and I think it's super important, especially as you've um get older and we've talked about this in previous episodes where um it's important that once you get to where you've been in it for a while i think it's really really important as, and if you're listening to this and you would be considered a veteran of eight ten years or more in ministry um if now is your time to start giving back find the find the youth pastors yeah. in your community that you can serve find the youth pastors in your community that might be younger that might not have um the uh time-tested experience or battle-tested experience um, and use that as opportunities to pour into the lives of other people um, because it's really, really important. And it really ties into the conversation today um, because pastoral care is something that's tremendously important and as awesome as it is to have people that have uh, degrees in counseling like you, um, a lot of times they just need someone to talk to. Um, and you can be that voice for them, but why, as we kind of move into this conversation, why is pastoral care still such an important thing to this day? Sure. So, uh, 
the nature of ministry, as 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 you guys know, is um, it can tend to build loneliness and isolation, and it's not it's not necessarily the fault of the church or the church members. It's you know in the church you there's this it's this body of believers who come together, and the scriptures are so clear on hey we're in this together. You share with one another. You bear each other's burdens. You forgive one another. And as a pastor, uh, the church sees you differently than they see the other church members. And so they may they may elevate us, you know, on a pedestal like, oh, they're unapproachable. I can't talk to them about this. Um, they may feel awkward if we share things with them. It may not be a safe space for us to share like our our struggles with people in the church because you you don't know where that can go. And so there if there if the church is here in a bubble, sometimes we can be on the outside of it a little bit um, just because of the nature of the way that the church functions today. And and so because of that, because of the long hours that we work, because of the all-inclusive nature of ministry, that it's so hard to stop and start and to have firm boundaries and to have, you know, okay, well, yeah, I worked this much, but then I've got this thing that I have to go to. It just, it seems to never end. All those things put together, combined with finances and just the regular problems that everybody has, um, it's, it's, there's a lot of burnout that we're seeing. And so I have some statistics um, and I just want to warn you beforehand, stick around for after the statistics because they're really depressing. Um, but I've got some, I've got some things that are going to help you afterwards. But um, in 2015, Barna, who does a lot of studies about um, pastors and, and, and Christian workers, um, they did a study on pastors and they determined that 11 percent of the pastors that they interviewed were at a high risk for burnout at that time in 2015. So. Um, I think that 63% were at a low risk, about 26% were at a medium risk of burnout, and 11% were at a high risk of burnout in 2015. When they did that same study again seven years later in 2022, what they found was um, the numbers, uh, they got a lot worse. 40% of the pastors that they interviewed in 2022 were at high risk of burnout. Um, 37% were at medium risk of burnout, and 23% were at low risk. So the number of pastors who were at medium to high risk, um, we're talking about 77% of pastors. That's three out of four pastors are at a medium to high risk of burnout. Um, that that number is double what it was before, and the number of people that were at high risk quadrupled from, from 11% to 40%. Um, and what that means is that well, there's a couple of things. Something might be broken in the church system in the way that pastors are treated, in the way that we're viewed, um, you know, the financial struggles that we have. Uh, and that, I, I can't do anything about that. I don't feel like that's my calling or job to like, hey, let's fix, you know, like the, the church in America and what that looks like. My, my calling is to serve, to serve you guys, uh, to, to care for you and to help you avoid those risks of burnout. Um, and so, kind of zoning in on some of those statistics, a lot of what happened, um, 90% of the pastors they interviewed in this Barna study reported that they worked 55 to 75 hours a week, um, which let me just say right off the bat is not healthy. Um, to work that much, 
you are going to overload yourself. They've done studies where they've taken people who work, you know, 45 to 55 hours a week and they've paired their output to somebody who works, you know, 55 to 65, 70 hours a week. And the output is identical. The output of work is the same. It's just that when you have more hours, you're less focused, you're less energized. It's a lot more difficult to do the work that you're supposed to do. It just takes up more time. So that's an unhealthy trend. Um, only one in four pastors reported having close friends or mentors with whom they could talk about things. Um, and that's, I mean, that's another huge struggle for us. And, and I think that's what we talked about some last time is, is finding people outside of your local church who you can have those relationships with. Um, the, uh, the quality and health for pastors has gone down in that study over the seven years. Um, spiritual well-being dropped a lot, physical well-being, mental and emotional health. Um, the people who reported excellent went down from 40% to 11%. Quality of life went down. Level of respect from the community went down. Level of true friends went down in all these studies. And so what we're seeing is even though in the culture we talk about mental health more than we did 5, 10, 20 years ago, um, it's still a struggle for pastors. And it's not just still a struggle for pastors. It's, it's getting worse. The pressures that people in ministry feel are increasing. The risk of burnout is increasing. The statistics for people under 45, for pastors under 45, um, that the, the Barna Group did in 2022, 50% of the pastors under 45 were at high risk for burnout. 39% were at medium risk, and only 11% were, were at low risk. One of 10 were in a considered, like, healthy state, healthy environment. And so um, that's, that's not good. Like that's, yeah. that's really depressing no, that's, to think that's about. That's awful. That's awful. But yeah. I'm, I, I mean, I'm sure that when you go into this, a lot of people are like, oh, well, that's pastors. Like, I mean, it's because they're in charge of the whole church and like they have all these extra responsibilities. They have to go do sick visits mm -hmm. and go to hospital visits and they have to deal with all these deaths and all this stuff. And it's like, well, yeah, I can see that as being a little more of a deal. But like, does this apply to youth pastors as well? Oh, absolutely. And so, you know, they did a study um, in 2020 with some U.S. and some U.K. youth pastors. Um, and again, alarming statistics on people that were susceptible to burnout. Um, and, and you guys know, like, uh, and I just I want to take a second to just affirm the people that are listening to this, um, that youth ministry is a vital, important part of the church. It's no less important than being a senior pastor than being any other kind of pastor. Um, if you're listening to this, God has placed you in a place with people that he's given you the responsibility to shepherd and to shape and to love. And it's such a, it's such a vital part of the church and the future of the church and the church right now. And so uh, be encouraged in, in where God has planted you right now. But with, with youth pastors, very similar statistics came out in this study. Um, and there were, these are the top five reasons in this 2020 study um, on burnout and youth pastors that pastors listed, hey, these were the reasons that caused me to lose hope or lose heart or experience burnout. Uh, the number one reason was that people felt isolated or lonely. The number two reason was a spiritual dryness or an unnourished soul. Uh, number three was financial pressures. Number four was that their pastor was hard to get along with. 
and number five was too much criticism. And as I as I read that list aloud, I'm I'm thinking of different parts in my ministry where I've have experienced all of those things, uh, sometimes two or three of them at the same time, and it it can feel so isolating. You can feel like I'm having these problems, and I and I don't know where to go. I don't know who to talk to. Um, and, and it's, it's, it can be very lonely and very challenging. And so, um, I know that if you're listening and, and as I'm reading off that list and you're like, yeah, these, some of these things apply to me, I want to tell you that there's hope. I want to tell you that there are things that you can do that the scripture tells us to do that science says, Hey, these are really beneficial things, um, that can help you endure this calling that, that God has given to you. So is it? Yeah. Can I talk no, about some of those things? You, now? No, you're good. Okay. But All right. Definitely. Here I we think go. one of the okay. well, I think one of the big things with that though, and I was looking for a I was looking for a quote while you were talking. I couldn't find it. But I think mm-hmm. uh I saw Shane Pruitt post something on Twitter one time um where he said um as far as the whole like situations with pastors, he said youth pastors, um, uh, I think he said something to the nature of like 70 or 80 percent of Christians accept Jesus by the age of 18. Um, Mm -hmm. and you were talking about the importance of youth ministry is like, you know, he's like youth pastors aren't, aren't the backup church. Youth pastors aren't doing anything. It's like children and youth ministry are on the forefront of the Christian line when it comes to evangelism. And so like, if you are legitimately having 70 to 80% of all Christians, except Jesus between the ages of zero and 18, then like your job is incredibly important. And you also need to find ways to where you can stick in it. You can stay strong. And part of that is what, um, avoiding what you've been talking about. And so Mm -hmm. the, the question is, is, I mean, we might have a couple of listeners right now that are listening to this and being like, well, Hey, like you listed off five reasons, uh, that, youth pastors listed to, for burnout. I'm, I'm, I'm all five of them right now. Like mm-hmm. I am in a really, really rough season or for some of us, maybe it's been like, I, ever since COVID, man, I can't, I can't, I don't know what is up from down. Like, I don't know what's yeah. going on. And I think even the most healthy youth pastors in the world, like COVID hit them and it, it threw everybody yeah. for a loop. And so yeah. I think it's almost, I don't want to say that we need to reapproach the line of normal um mm-hmm. post covid but i do think we have to assess the fact that like everybody's at a different stage than they were and now yes. we have to realize where the where the foundation and where that level ground is again um of yeah. like you know what is healthy and so i i guess the best route to go with this though is like how do we how do we have ways that we can maybe assess our own um, mm-hmm. health levels mm-hmm. or maybe, um, some resources as far as that goes. I know there are definitely some, are you burnt out, um, quizzes mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Carrie Newhoff did one with a book that he released not too terribly long ago. Um, yeah. and so assessing that first, um, would Absolutely. be super important. Do you have anything to say on like, how would you go to assess yourself or just maybe some questions that you would ask yourself, um, on that? Absolutely. So just thinking about, um, I, I think that, you know, the stuff you're talking about from Carrie Newhoff is an excellent resource. Um, if, if you're married, 
I would, I would sit down and have an honest, vulnerable conversation with your spouse and say, Hey, what do you see in me? How have I been doing? And, and let me tell you, it takes some courage to have a conversation like that because in ministry, it can, it's, it, it can so easily just take over your whole life. And so to sit down and say, all right, you know, wife, husband, tell me honestly, find some good friends, your parent. I mean, find somebody that you trust, that knows you, that sees you day in and day out and just say, Hey, what do you see in me? How have I been doing the past few years? Do I, am I healthy? You know, am I, am I physically healthy? Am I spiritually healthy? Am I emotionally healthy? I think those are the three metrics that, that we can self-assess with um, physical, emotional, and spiritual health. A lot of times we we need other people to help us in that process. So that that would be where I would start. I would start with people that you trust that are around you. And just even going into that conversation saying, Lord, give me an open heart to hear. Um, because what you might hear is, yeah, like I think you're doing well. It seems like things are going good. And and I feel like our relationship is doing just fine. I feel like if you have kids, you know, the kids are, they're at a healthy place. Um, what you also might hear is, I think you've changed. I think this job is is taking over more of your life than you've realized. I think you may be withdrawn more. You may be more irritable, or our relationship isn't going as well. And if and if those are the things that you hear, it is it is God's grace when He reveals those struggles in our lives to us, because then it gives us an opportunity to change and to do things differently. Because if that conversation doesn't happen and we just keep going down this road of being physically and emotionally and spiritually unhealthy, you're going you're gonna to find yourself in a, in a massive ditch, in a huge place of burnout, and it's, gonna, it's just going to happen all at once, and you're going to be like, where did this come from? Um, and these conversations can help prevent us from getting to that place. Um, your ministry is going to be its best when you are at your best. Um, oh. I, and it's, it's so hard for us to, I think as pastors, because we tell people all the time, we tell students all the time, like God loves you. You're made in his image. He has a purpose and a plan for your life. We believe like so hard in them. We want, it, we want them to see the things that they don't see in themselves. So we do so much output. And then a lot of times we don't have other people doing that for us. Um, it's hard to see that in ourselves. We look more at our weaknesses and our struggles and our shortcomings than we do these things that we spend like our whole lives telling yeah. other people about. And that that equation, doing that consistently does not lead to, to being spiritually healthy. It leads to feeling like I'm a hypocrite. It leads to feeling yeah. like, what, what do I do with this stuff that I'm struggling with? You're, you're a human being. You're a child of God first. You know, that's, that's our primary identity is in yeah. Christ. And if we can get the difference between our identity and our roles, I think that's so important. Um, yeah. That our, yeah, our identity is fixed in Christ and our roles, the different things that we do, um, we can change that. We can work on that. Um, but that doesn't define what Jesus has, has already done in yeah. us. And sometimes we, we have trouble even believing the message that we're selling to other people. Um, yeah. and that's, yeah. that's, that's a really, really hard thing. Um, I, we always, this, it kind of comes up in a lot of conversations, but one of the most mind blowing things 
Um, and it really, really shaped how uh, my how I approach ministry as far as my time, my commitments and everything. Um, I listened to a speaker one time talk about God's grace and how God had revealed to him his flaws and failures and what he needed to work on. And it was through a really, really hard conversation with his wife. And I don't remember for the life mm -hmm. of me who said it, but he said that he had a heart to heart with his wife one night. She was really, really frustrated. Um, and she just kind of started laying it out on him, all these things that he had changed and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And her, her last words to him on her side of the conversation was, I, I wish that I was the church. So mm -hmm. you would take care of me like you do mm -hmm. the church. And it was like, holy wow. crud. Yeah. Like, yeah. Unreal. Yeah. But like, in all reality, that's that's something that a lot of us, I mean, we might be tempted to go down that route. And there's probably a few of you that are listening that really need to do that reassessment check of like, hey, yeah, I, I probably need to have that conversation. Like I, we're getting out of summer. Um, mm -hmm. I have been gone for five weeks of the nine or 10 weeks of summer yeah. Um, yeah. because we've done 17 different things and we've had these trips and these mission trips and these camps and all this stuff. And it's like, well, that's great, but like your your ministry is at home too. Um, yeah. and, and I, so and I would say this. Let me. So my the first thing I want to talk about as far as how do we how do we prevent burnout? How do we keep ourselves healthy? Yeah. Um, your your ministry to your family is the most important ministry in your life. Yep. Your ministry to your family is the most important ministry in your life. You you are united with your spouse if you're married. You're united with your spouse in a way that you're not united with anybody else in the world. And you you've made a covenant with her or him. And that like this is this is the primary person that I am gonna invest in in my life. And yeah. and if if we can get this in our heads that like when I put my spouse number one, when I put my kids number two, and when I put other ministry number three. My other ministry is going to be more healthy when I do it, when I order it that way. Like that's that's what's true. Like the more that you minister to your spouse, the more that you minister to your kids, if you have kids, that is going to bless your ministry. That's going to make your ministry more authentic. Um, I, I remember listening to, to Doug Fields a few years ago at the National Youth Workers Convention, and he was talking about um, marriage. And he said that, you know, over the years, people who've come back to him and who've talked to him about the most impactful thing in his ministry, it wasn't the sermons, it wasn't the games, it wasn't the thing that was number one. He said the most influential thing was his marriage, was his relationship with his wife, was the thing that made the most impact on his students for a couple of reasons. Number one, they got to see that like his faith was real, like the things that he believed he lived out with his spouse. And yeah. number two, for students who come from broken homes, for students yeah. who, who come from places where they don't have both parents at homes or where their parents are not a good example for them, their parents aren't believers, it gives them a glimpse of like what things could be like. It gives them this vision for the future of like, wow, like I could find somebody like that, or I could love somebody like that, or this is what my home life could be like. Um, and and I, I tell you, it's it's so important um, 
to, to love your spouse well and to have that mindset, you know, like that story that you shared about, I wish I was the church, you know, like I know we get passionate about um, discipling students. We get passionate about growing them in their faith. And so, you know, one of those, one of those questions to, to kind of gauge where you're at is, you know, if you have kids, how, how passionate are you about discipling your kids? Yeah. Does the passion of discipling your kids equal the passion that you have for students? You know, yeah. we talk about loving and affirming students and seeing the best in them and showing grace and wanting them to be like this potential. We want, we want them to be all that God's created them to be. Do you feel that way about your spouse? If you're married, is your, is your desire? Like, I want to see them flourish. I want to see them be everything that God has created them to be. And what, what can happen is um, because the demands of the church and of ministry it feels like they're in our face all the time. We're super aware of like, oh, I have this deadline. I have to do this. I have to do this thing. Um, that it can be so easy to just forget about our spouse, to forget about our kids. Um, yeah. It's so crucial that we pour into our family first. Um, and, and so, and so tangent real quick. Obviously, yeah, yeah. we have a lot of people that are married, but what about the ones that yeah. aren't? I mean, obviously, uh, like family ministry is still a thing, and you can still mm -hmm, be pouring mm -hmm. into the family you do have if you're a single yeah. youth pastor. Um, but yeah. like, what else? How else does that apply to a single youth pastor? How else can they prioritize that as something that they do, um, even if their ministry is not necessarily a, like their family ministry is not married with kids, how does that still tangent to a single youth pastor? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, a couple things, um, and, and I want to say this to any single youth pastors that are out there, like you are not any less a child of God or a minister if you are not married or you don't have kids. Um, like your, your value in Christ again is not like you, you are in Christ, you're a beloved of God and God has a specific calling for you. And so, um, I, I think that in the church we can get that, we can give off that vibe sometimes. And maybe if you're single, maybe, I mean, I could see somebody listening and being like, well, you know, I'm, I'm not married and I don't have kids. And I, and I, and I want to tell you that like where God has you right now, um, is, is a wonderful season because he has a calling for you and he has a purpose for you. And so you're, you're going to have more free time and resources to, to put into ministry than somebody who's married than somebody who has kids because their, their calling's different. You know, their calling is, is to have that be more invested in those people that they've, they've made this covenant with and that they've <laughs> produced, you know, yeah. um, or adopted, and, and so, um, but just making sure that you have some clearly defined boundaries in your life, um, yeah. to where your whole boundaries identity super important. doesn't get sucked up into, um, into the church. I want to talk about boundaries, but real quick on the, on the family ministry thing. One last thing, um, is have your family involved in your ministry. Have your family involved in your ministry. Now, I know if you have a spouse, a lot of our spouses work full time. That doesn't mean that they're like the co-youth minister, that they have to be at everything. Um, but it is as many times as you can take them on trips, as you can be around them, as you can brag on them, um, those kind of things, that's going to show your students, hey, this is a really important part of my life. Um, some of my favorite memories have been on trips when just just having my my marriage be on display, not not trying to be prideful. I'm not thinking about like, hey, I'm gonna you know put my marriage on display, but just just living out a Christian life with my spouse there. Um, our students have yeah. told us that's impactful. 
so it's impactful for the students and it's impactful for your family. This summer, we went to New Orleans on a mission trip and we took my eight-year-old daughter and my five-year-old son with us. Um, my eight-year-old daughter got to go out to a homeless camp and give out food and pray for some of the homeless there. That was really meaningful for her. Uh, my five-year-old son was we, we had these little, you know, bracelets where you have the different beads for the different parts of salvation. And so we were kind of telling our kids, hey, we're going to go to the French Quarter and play some music and give out coffee and you can go and do these things. And so my son is just, he's just sitting in there playing um, while Julianne's, my wife is telling our students all about this. So we get out to the French Quarter, we're setting up, we're playing music. Rowan goes along with a student and he grabs these bracelets and he starts walking up. And he starts telling people and giving them out. And he had memorized what each of the little beads meant. And so he's going around and he's going up to these tarot card readers um, that are in Jackson Square in the French Quarter. And he's offering them a bracelet and he's telling them what each of the beads meant. And those those people, they're not going to listen to me. You know, they're not, if, if I go up and try to hand them a bracelet and talk to them about salvation, they're not going to listen to that. But But a kid you know, who comes up and is just innocent, is just excited. And so seeing like what that did in his life and through his life that like he was able to be a part of the things that we were doing and God was doing this, this work in his life, just being there. Oh. Uh, man, it's, it's such a, a wonderful, important thing for your ministry, like your students and, and for your family as well. Yeah. And I mean, so, the thing um, is, is that, that can, that can look completely different in a lot of different avenues. Maybe, maybe you yeah. have them just on like for your service times. Um, I direct the church camp that we go to one of them. Um, and mm -hmm. so most of the time, granted, this is changing next year. Cause my, my kid's going to be old enough to be a camper, which I'm not ready for. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. but most of the time for the past couple of years, when I've been directing, like he, my oldest has come with me and he kind of just has free reign over the camp mm. and has fun. And, uh, he helps yeah. run slides for worship and all that stuff. But, um, this year I was talking to a kid that was wanting to accept Jesus and so he kind of mm -hmm. comes behind me and he's kind of intently listening and uh, we pray and like he prays too and puts his hand on the kid and everything, which was really, really cool. He was wanted to be involved mm -hmm. in the moment and everything. And then yeah. uh, we were walking out of chapel that night and he goes, hey, um, can you teach me how to do that? <laughs> like, which was cool. Um, mm. I was like, teach yeah. you how to do what exactly? He goes, you know, like, uh, baptize people. And I was like, well, I didn't baptize mm. him, buddy, but like, I mean, we're yeah, like, yeah. And just kind of told him how to pray for them and how to walk with someone through accepting Jesus and stuff like that. And it was, yeah, yeah. your kids yeah. are listening. Your kids want to be involved. Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. I mean, if we've had something on our fridge for probably two or three years now. Um, my son's going into fifth grade. So probably mm -hmm. third grade, I think. Uh, he They did like a five things I want to do in my life. And one of them was be a youth pastor, which was super, super cool. And so they want mm. to do what you do. They want to be a part yeah. of what you're doing. Um, and so yeah. find opportunities where you can help let them do it, um, yeah. where you can help them be a part of what you're doing. And then also you get to show them the, I don't want to make it sound like this is better, but you you get to, you mm. get the uh, the opportunity for them to see the fun side of church too. 
Yeah. It's not just, I mean, it's not just sitting in the pews on Sunday mornings. Like you get to see the evangelism and the discipleship and you get to see the work and the effort and the time that you put into it. And there's some great things with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think, you know, so talking about the importance of family ministry, like putting your family first. Um, and, and again, if you're single, making sure you're, you are investing in your spiritual health and your spiritual and emotional, physical well-being. The second thing is, is boundaries. I know you had mentioned that earlier. Um, and so a few different kinds of boundaries. The first that I would say is boundaries between work time and personal and family time. And even as I'm saying that, I'm thinking about like text messages and phone calls and events and all these other kind of things. And it's like, well, that's really hard to do. It is hard to do. But if you don't do it, if you don't have those boundaries, uh, ministry will, it will overrun your life. It will, it will just take over everything. Um, and we have to have these boundaries between time that I am on, that I am fulfilling this role that God has called me to, and time when I am just being Stephen, <laughs> or time when I'm just being Stephen, the child of God, Stephen, the husband, Stephen, the father, like where I can just be me without spending my mental, emotional, spiritual energy on this, on this role that I have, this really important role, but that role doesn't define every part of us. And so having a boundary there, um, what a big thing is, is to set a schedule um, and especially if you have a family, to let the exceptions to that schedule be the exception to the norm, if that makes sense. So like the times when you deviate from that to be as rare as possible, I know that the nature of youth ministry is, is fluid and changing, and it feels like every day is different, and there's, there's things that you can't expect. Communicate. If, you, if you're married, if you're dating, if you have kids, communicate. Um, and do your very best to honor those commitments to time at home, um, because the, the more that you do that, that's going to create a, a sense of safety and security uh, with your family. So having those boundaries and then um, uh, having a daily rhythm of shifting from work life, ministry life to your personal life, to your time at home, having some kind of rhythm that you build in, whether it's you know, having a specific prayer or taking five or 10 minutes to sit and journal, or, you know, even on the drive home, you know, I'm praying, or maybe I go home and I, you know, I sit down and I, I play a video game for 10 or 15 minutes. And I just, I make this shift where I'm saying, okay, I'm leaving the things at work. I'm leaving them there. Or maybe God, I'm telling you about all the things that were frustrating today. I'm just, I need you to know, because I don't want to take that and into my marriage. I don't want to take that and, and let that come out with my kids. I, I want to deal with that then so that when I'm home, whether I'm single, married, whatever state, that I can just be me um, and fulfill that role that God's called me to there. So having a rhythm where you set those boundaries um, on, when we, if you have an I, said something, go ahead. Our, our family said something like that last year. And so we yeah. found out last year that all of us roughly get home around four o'clock. Uh, during the school year. And so at least four to four thirty, if not four to five, it is a everybody go decompress from the day kind of mm. hour of time. And so the yeah. kids might go into the rooms and go read, they might go take a nap, they might, 
uh, watch TV, something to that nature. But it also gives me and my wife time to decompress from our days as well. And then our rule is is at five o'clock, everything goes away and we are together. And so that might be mean that my sons are outside playing in the backyard together while me and my wife are cooking, or we might all be playing together. We might all watch a TV show together, something to that nature. But like after five o'clock from five o'clock until they go to bed is our family time. And so it's, it's not something that's a really, really like rigid complex thing. What we do in Mm -hmm. that time still changes immensely, but like you said, mm-hmm. having that having that decompress time is really, really important. And we've noticed that when we allow our kids to have that decompress time after school, because, you know, school is just as awful and chaotic as our jobs can be sometimes, yeah, yep. um, yep. if not worse, um, we need we need to allow them to de- decompress just as much as we need us to decompress. And so giving that yeah. uh, opportunity across the board has been really, really fruitful. Um, and then it allows us to have time to where we're like, okay, yep. I'm I'm good now. It's time to go be a family. Um, so and that's so good stuff. That's a super healthy thing where you're. That's physically and emotionally, you know, a focus of like, hey, we're decompressing, we're doing this, and and spiritually too, where you can leave some of that stuff, you know, at work. Um, I would so with these guys right here with our phone. I'm holding up a phone. If you're just listening on the audio, um, if you don't have an iPhone. I'm sorry, uh, but if you do have an iPhone, there's, there's this thing. I uh, know there's this thing called focus mode on here, and I'm sure that Android devices have something similar. But if you can set a focus mode, so for me, my focus mode goes on at seven o'clock every night, and so at seven o'clock, there are like five or six people that that I allow to their stuff to get through, and then everybody else it just it notifies me in the morning. And when I first started doing this, you know, uh, I might get a frustrated parent, you know, like, hey, what, <laughs> you didn't answer my call. And then I can say, hey, well, I, I have this focus mode that I turn on so I can, I can be home at this time. The more that you do this, the easier it'll be for you. And people will, they'll kind of catch the drift. Hey, if I want to contact them, I need to contact them at this time. Um, but making, uh, being the master of our phones and not letting the phones be the master of us. Um, and that's just, it's so easy to just get sucked in and just to like, you spend a whole bunch of time and then you look at them as like, what am I doing? And if you have a a wife or a a husband, they're going to look at you and be like, wow, they're spending all this time here. And if you have kids, you know, they're going to see you on this thing all the time instead of spending time with them. And so being, being the master of our devices, setting those boundaries, those healthy boundaries at home, um, Having and I mentioned this earlier, the the boundary between your identity and your role. And so, if you if you belong to Jesus, which if you're listening to this podcast, I'm gonna I'm gonna make the jump that you are a believer in Jesus because you're you're serving His people. Um, you are a child of God who is redeemed by His grace. Your permanent record has been wiped clean. There's one word there now. It's righteous. Your worth uh, to God is valued by the price that was paid to redeem you, and that's the blood of Jesus. Your shortcomings, your sins, your flaws, your failures, they do nothing to change that identity of who you are because Jesus looks at you and he says that you're righteous. Satan comes before the throne of God and accuses and says, no, what about this? What about this? What about this? No, no, you you are righteous. You belong to the Lord. Um, 
the the things that that affect us here on earth like the curse of sin and death jesus has overcome those things so your identity is unchanging and is in christ and that's so that's our identity that's who we are as a christian our roles i'm a i'm a husband i'm a father i'm a i'm a pastor um, I'm, you know, I play golf occasionally. I have these, I have these different hats that I put on. Um, those are not my identity. My identity is like the core of who I am, the core of who I am, and that's in Christ. And I function in these roles and I, and I do these things in these roles, but it's really easy for us, especially as, as, as pastors to get those things confused, to get it confused to where like, I feel like my identity is a pastor. Like that's who I am. Like that's, you know, that's who I like. Um, and yes, that's part of your calling. That's part of your role of who you are. Um, but that's not your your core identity. And you take these hats on and off and you function in these different roles throughout your lifetime. Um, and we have to differentiate our identity from our roles because in our roles, we can fall short. Like in our roles, like as a as a youth pastor, as a husband, as a father, I know there's things. It's like, yeah, I am not good at that. Oh my gosh, man, I dropped the ball there. The problem yeah. becomes when I take this shortcoming in a role, and I believe that it's a shortcoming in my identity, that I that I view myself as this this incomplete or somebody who's not fully accepted by Jesus, or that that somehow like affects God's love for me or affects my standing with him. That stuff is set. Like Colossians 3, 1 through 4 says that like that we have died and we are hidden with Christ and God. Like we we belong to him. Like there's nothing that's going to change that. And yeah. so the more that that I can believe that and and I would just say just you know a little uh, you know brain science here the more that i can tell myself that and i think that's why scripture memorization is so important and repeating these truths about ourselves like i am hidden in christ and god like that's who i am i belong to him i'm a child of god the more that that identity gets from our brains into our hearts and we can believe that um the more free we are to fulfill our roles and even to fail at our roles, because we know that that doesn't shake this identity that we have in Christ. Um, That's good. It's really, it's really hard to do this. Um, it's really hard. And it's especially hard because the people in your church most likely will see you as your role before they see you as who you are in Christ. Yeah. Um, they're going to see you as, oh, it's, you know, it's, it's Pastor Brent. Oh, it's youth pastor, whomever. Like that's how they're going to see you. And a lot of times they're going to value your gifts and the things that you do and these, these parts of yourself that are really important, but they're going to value that more than who you are in Christ, just based on the nature of the way that the church functions today. And that yeah. can feel like really personal. And it can feel like, man, I am giving myself to you and to these students and to these families to like build these things, but I'm sitting on the outside. Like, no, like I feel unknown. I feel, yeah. I feel like nobody values me for me. I don't have the space to make the same mistakes that you're making. Um, and if you're married and if you have kids, your, your family's going to fall into that category as well. And so how, how do we deal with that? You've, we have to find 
relationships outside of um, the local church that we're in. And I, I really do believe that there are safe relationships you can find with people in your church, but to be careful and cautious and to kind of test those waters over time. Um, there are people that will value you as a person over a pastor. Um, more likely than not, you're going to find that outside of your local church. And those are things that I would bring to the Lord, that I would bring to your family. Um, if you're married, I guarantee you that your spouse is going to be feeling some of these same things. Um, oh. And I would bring to I would bring to a counselor. Um, my <laughs> I, I am a counselor and I have training and um, I believe in it because I've seen just the, the, the wonders that God has done through um, this tool that he's given us. But I also believe in it because of my own counseling. In order to be a counselor, you have to go through counseling. And so the individual counseling that I've done in my life has been so beneficial to me. The marriage counseling that my wife and I have been through, um, we've been three separate times for some chunks in our marriage, and we have a standing um, just kind of uh, order that if either one of us feels like we need to go to marriage counseling, we're going to go to marriage counseling um, because it is so helpful to sit in a room with somebody else and for them to see you first as a child of God to see you first as an individual and to have all this other stuff be secondary. Um, it can be so healing. And so we, you know, we want to create that with our families. We want to find friends who can do that. And then um, if, if you haven't been to, you know, a counselor, a Christian counselor, and you feel like, yeah, I'm, I, maybe I'm teetering on the edge of burnout or yeah, I'd, I'd like to explore some of these things about myself. Um, Man, I would highly encourage you to to find some people like that in your life. Um, so beneficial. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I definitely agree. I mean, it's I think it's really, really important. And the thing is, is you talked about all these roles versus identity. Um, mm -hmm. I, I was talking to a, a friend of mine that was actually my wife's youth pastor growing up. Um, mm -hmm. And he he talked at the camp that we were at and he was like, you know, like I had this feeling, like I knew that God was calling me into youth ministry and I got mm -hmm. fired. And I was like, what the mm. heck, God, like you told me to do this and now you're going to let me be fired kind of thing like that. Mm -hmm. And it's mm -hmm. the premise of like, you know, your, your goal is like your job with Jesus is obedience. Yeah. God never yeah. said that you're going to go work at this church and have a perfect time there. He said, yeah. I want you to go serve at this church. I want you to go mm -hmm. serve as a husband or as a wife. I want you to go serve as a mom or a dad. Like your job yeah. is obedience to Jesus and obedience yeah. to God's call on your life. It's, I mean, the roles are great. Don't get me wrong. But like at the end mm -hmm. of the day, my job is to be obedient. Um, yeah. Yeah. And the, the role or the, uh, the role is going to change, like you said, but my identity is the fact that if I'm a child of God, I'm going to be obedient to God. And yeah. so it's a really, really, I think it's something that we all kind of struggle with at some points, because maybe we get into a realm where we, we think we're going to be a big youth pastor, and then we don't end up being a big youth pastor. Or maybe we, mm -hmm. um, like, you know, maybe you feel called to uh, marry someone. And I mean, one out of two marriages end in divorce now. Like what happens mm -hmm. if, what happens if they come up to you and they're just like, Hey, I, I'm, I'm done. I want a divorce. Like, 
if you have your identity in those things and those things mm-hmm. end, you will stop existing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. um, it's dangerous. Yeah, it is. And, and that's why it's so important for us to be grounded and rooted in Christ and to have those boundaries between my personal relationship with God and my work as a minister. Um, I have a rule that I've only broken one time and I broke it this year and I'm still frustrated at myself. My rule is that in my personal time with the Lord, um, I, I never want that to be on or about the things that I'm teaching um, in ministry. Like if we're, you know, we're going to go through the book of James here pretty soon. My personal time can't be <laughs> going through the book of James, because if it is, what's going to happen is ministry is going to hijack that time. And I'm just going to be thinking about, oh, I could make this point or, oh, I could tell this story or, oh, I could, I'm, I'm putting my role above my identity. I'm putting my ministry above my relationship with the Lord. And so That's having good. that, di- having that discipline of like, God, I need you for me. I need you for me first, <laughs> because um, when we when we go without that, you know, when we drift into prayerlessness, when we drift into getting away from God's word, when we drift into not being physically healthy or emotionally healthy, like it, it, we may not see the effects of how that's making our ministry drift, but it is. Your ministry is going to drift, and then one day it's you know it it things are going to snap. And you're going to be like, oh my, how did I get here? How did I get in this place? Um, And so that brings me to the third thing, which is this this gift that God has given us, uh, which is the Sabbath. Um, And I talked about this last time, but it's so important that, that I feel like I want to talk about it again, because the Sabbath is a gift that God has given to us. Um, It is pre-sin and pre-fall. Okay. And so just, you know, I know there's this debate, okay, with the old Testament, how much do we have to do? All right. The Sabbath wasn't, (laughs) it wasn't made for God. It was made for you for rest. Um, And it's a gift. And if God rested on the seventh day, and if Jesus rested and he took time away to be with his father, uh, we need rest. We need time to, to unplug and I think having a day where we say, okay, God, I am unplugging from everything, and I'm just going to be with you, and, and if you have a family, be with your family, and do things that, that fill me up. And this is – it's a great idea, and it sounds wonderful, but it is incredibly hard to do to put into practice because our culture and our world wants to just keep us doing things and keep us – busy and and it puts things on every day of the week. Um, I want to say this. If you are a youth pastor and you are listening, um, Sunday is not your Sabbath day. Um, Sunday can't be your Sabbath because <laughs> because you're louder, working a little on louder Sunday, for the people okay? in the back. <laughs> it's it's not a Sabbath. Okay. It can be a Sabbath for other people, but it's not a Sabbath for you because you have to go to church. Like you have, you have a job to do. You have things that you're doing, which is, is not a Sabbath is, is the opposite of that. Okay. So, so you have to find a day in the week where you say no to everything else so that you can say yes to God and yes to your family. Um, there is just a mountain of scriptural support and we don't have the time to go into it. So you just have to trust me on this one. Okay. If you have questions, um, this is a book, uh, it's called 24-6 by Dr. Matthew Sleeth. 
um, a wonderful book about this. Um, but like we have to have physical and emotional and spiritual rest. We have to push pause. Like, I mean, in the Hebrew culture, they took a whole, their seventh year was a Sabbath rest for the land. And then the year of Jubilee was two Sabbath years in a row. How do you do that? Well, it's, it's about trust. Do I trust God enough that if I pause for one day, that yeah. everything is going to be okay? Like, do I, do I trust him enough? you know, that my business is going to be okay, that my ministry is going to be okay, that if I don't answer phone calls or texts or emails for this day, that, that things are going to be okay. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a discipline, and it's got to be a discipline for your family too. It's, it's, it's so hard because, I mean, what, what day of the week do you pick? I'll, for us, it's Saturday. For us, it's a day where we say no as best we can to everything else. There are going to be some exceptions. Like when I'm at camp, that's going to be an exception. Um, when my wife raises rabbits. And so when there's a rabbit show, like that's an exception, but the exceptions need to be exceptions from the norm. Like it needs to be, okay, maybe once every month or two, we have that exception. And it's hard because like for this year, like my kids played soccer in the fall and they loved it, but soccer games were on Saturdays. And we found that in our family, like our kids like playing soccer but it just, it shot the whole week for us. And we just felt like, man, we are tired. We were more grumpy. And so we, we had to talk to him and say, hey guys, um, for, the, for the fall, we're not gonna do soccer. Um, I will play soccer with you after school every day. We'll kick around in the backyard. We will find other things and ways if this is something you wanna do to invest in that. Um, but our Sabbath is more important than this thing. Like our Sabbath is more important than some events, like some church events. Like if you want to have a consistent Sabbath, you may have to say no to the men's breakfast or to this fellowship thing or to this, this good thing um, yeah. because it, it stops the cycle and you get to just, it's like a mental reset. <sighs> let me just, let me just be, you know, it doesn't have to be like a 12 hour Bible study day. Like I do think you should spend some time in God's word and in prayer and worship. Um, but that's, that's just a part of the day where you are enjoying the things that you've been working for. And it's, it, it's, it feels silly to me because it's, this idea is so biblical. It's, it's just like, it's so true in the Bible, but it's so hard when we look at our culture and we think, how can I do this? You need to do it. God created it for you. He knew that humanity was going to end up in this place and we, we have to pause we have to rest. It's a discipline. Uh, but the more that we do it, the more that we will enjoy like that day in particular, and the more that it's just going to set us up for success um, yeah. for, for the rest of our lives. It's, it's so important. Yeah, it is important. And honestly, I, I do a very unconventional Sabbath. Um, mm -hmm. So part of my Sabbath is on Fridays um, mm -hmm. because I'm alone my kids are in school, my wife is in school, and that's mm -hmm. my day off. And so mm -hmm. Friday is the day that I typically try to go have me time. Um, mm -hmm. And that might mm -hmm. be going to play golf with friends, or that might be going to work on a project that I've really wanted to finish for a long time. Yeah. But it's typically yeah. something that I have time and I allot time for me and me only. Um, mm -hmm. It is also the time and the day that I very, very much try to take lunch to my wife, lunch to my kids, um, mm -hmm. stuff like that, because it's opportunities for me to do intentional stuff 
um, and work and um, tackle intentional things. Um, And then the other half of it is um, obviously Saturdays with us. And when we're all home, that's an important one too. Mm -hmm. But I would Mm -hmm. say that 50% of my Friday is intentional Sabbath and 50% of my Saturday is intentional Mm -hmm. Sabbath. Yeah. And so I, I think the... And I, I could be completely wrong, but I, I don't think it's near as much of a like, um, like you need to dedicate 24 hours to not doing anything like in mm-hmm. a row. But I do mm-hmm. think that Sabbath needs to happen. And sometimes your schedule doesn't allow for you to have 24 sure. hours of sure. break free Sabbath time. And so you mm-hmm. can make multiple times where you just intentionality is the big part. Like if, if you're, if your intention is going to be Saturday is my Sabbath, then make Mm -hmm. it that if you can't commit to an entire Saturday because of other things, like you said, soccer or anything else, Mm -hmm. well then Mm -hmm. great. You know, we did soccer. We do soccer as well. We did baseball, but like Saturday afternoons was us Saturday evenings Mm -hmm. was us. Um, Mm -hmm. and then Fridays is when I do the time for me. Um, and so Mm -hmm. that way I'm not leaving my family on the day that they are all home. Um, I'm still very much involved and have opportunities to be involved, but Sabbath can be whenever and however you make it, but the intentionality and the obedience to what God's telling you to do is the importance of that. And so find it. Um, you'll find Mm -hmm. that it gives you opportunities for being grounded. It gives you opportunities for rest it gives you yeah. opportunities for God to, I mean, give you ideas. I mean, I, I often think of Sabbath time for ideas as like the, like in the shower moments where you're just like, holy crap, like that. Mm-hmm, I mean, hundred mm-hmm. percent, like that's when God's going to have his best opportunity to talk to you because there's not 150 different distractions. So make yep. that a priority. Absolutely. Um, and so we've knowing where you're going with this, you had mm-hmm. kind of a cool way to end this. And I don't think you have really touched on this, but we're going to go back to the whole family side one more time um, mm-hmm. just to kind of close out the deal. And you, you talked a little bit about talking to your spouse. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think that's something that's really, really important. And I think it's a conversation that uh, if you're listening to this and you are married, or if you're mm-hmm. listening to this and you're engaged um, or yeah. I mean, honestly, even dating and it's a serious dating, this needs to be a conversation that's had is like, Hey, you know, how am I like from, from your perspective, what is going mm-hmm. on? And you, so you told me that you talked to your wife and your I wife did. had some pointers and some ideas. And so let's close with those because I think it's really important. And for the ones that yeah. are single in this, maybe this is a conversation you have with your friend, like your good friend, your best friend. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm maybe they're the ones that can be like, yeah, you've been psycho for the past three, four (laughs) months. Like I haven't seen you. We haven't had lunch. We haven't talked on the phone, all this stuff. Like, because there's going to be significant relationships in your life, regardless of what, where you are in your life. Yeah. And so what are the, what were were the things from your wife's perspective? Yeah. So, um, So my wife, you know, when I'm going through seminary, I always say like, we, you know, we did seminary, we did this because I'm a verbal processor. And so like, you know, I would get excited and I'd come home and I'd be like, babe, like, you know, and so I'd, you know, talk for like 30 minutes about some, you know, neurobiology or some scripture and how it tied into this thing. And um, so she's uh, similar things to what I've been saying, but just the things that she, she mentioned in particular um, she said internal care, like 
you know, Stephen, when you're at your best, your ministry's at your best and your family's at your best, um, prioritizing, like taking care of yourself. And it can feel, it can feel selfish to even say that, like, oh, I need to take time for me. And it can be like, you can make an excuse for, oh, I need to, you know, I need a day to do. Um, so there can be a selfish way that you do that, but there's, there's also a holy way. In a, in, a, in a sacred way of saying, God, I, I need to be filled up um, in order to pour out. And so when, you know, she said, when you're at your best, your ministry's at your best, um, having those boundaries, um, that's something that we've talked about a lot over time, because when I started out in ministry, very poor boundaries. It was just like work whenever, you know, and that and that's when it kind of just overtook our whole life and everything became revolved around this role that I have, this wonderful role that God has given me, but it just, it took over too much. Um, and so having boundaries, uh, she said, prioritizing your spouse, um, you know, what she, she, she said, one day you'll be replaced at work, you know, um, but you'll never be replaced at home. And, mm, good and stuff. that's hard. It's hard because like, we love these students and we love these families, um, but your kids and your spouse, they need you to love them more. They need you to love them in a unique way that's different from the students. It doesn't mean that you're like, okay, I'm going to love the students less. It's no, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prioritize where God has told me to prioritize in his word, and it's these people. Um, and I've found that like when I do that with my wife, um, and she sees that and she receives that life is awesome. Like life is great because when, when, and when I'm pouring into her and then the seasons where it's the opposite, where I'm so distracted and so focused on things like it just, yeah, I, you know, and it, and it takes this long conversation for her to be like, Stephen, like you, I know it doesn't seem this way. It may not feel this way to you, but I, I need you to see what's actually going on. I need you to see that your priorities have shifted. I need you to see this. Um, trust yeah. your spouse if you're married. Like we've we've got to trust our spouse above everybody else. Um, and it's hard to do. It's hard to do, but it's so important because God has God has put you with them. If you're married, like that's that's who God has given you to be with. Um, and so uh, yeah. it's that was. And then the last thing she said was this. She said having limits and needing help. Um, is not weakness. Um, it's a sign of courage to identify your limits and identify your weakness, um, because we're not we're not superhuman. And so, you know, I know the the more that I do that, that I can say, yeah, um, I need a break. Yeah, I need to take a day off. Yeah, I need to say no to this. Yeah, I'm really struggling with this right now. Yeah, I need to go talk to my counselor about this. Like that there's so much good that comes from that, from being honest with ourselves. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, those were the things that, that she said, and I wanted to share from a, from a spouse's perspective. That's awesome. No. And I mean, they're all great points. And I, I, I think the thing that all of the listeners listening to this or watching us right now needs to kind of take away from this. And that's one of the things that I caught is when I looked at the list that she said, and the mm -hmm. list that Steven's been talking about this entire time, they were pretty much the same thing. I know. Like almost, <laughs> yeah. almost hand in hand. But you know what that does is that means that there's good communication happening. 
that they are intentional on time and effort and motivation and focus and all those things. Um, they are in the same mindset. They are in the same focus. Um, they're in the same, <laughs> they're in the same room when they have a conversation. And I know that sounds weird, but we've all been there. Um, and so I think that that's something to strive for. That's something to look at. And I'm not by any means putting Stephen and Julianne on a pedestal, but um, it is one of those things that like there, there is great opportunities when communication and stuff like that happens. And it needs to happen in order for you to be at your best. Um, if you are a yeah. married youth pastor um, and it's a huge part. So um, any last comments, words, Stephen? If not, yeah. how can they reach out to you? How can they connect with you? Absolutely. So, you know, again, my my heart is for you guys that are listening. Like I, one of the things, you know, I believe when I, when I talk to other youth pastors or I do counseling with other youth pastors is like, um, your ministry is not my main concern. Like you are, like you as, a, as an individual, as a person, as a child of God. And so, um, you know, a couple things, if, if you want to reach out to me, I don't do a lot of social media. Um, it, it takes more of my time than I want to. And so I'm trying to be more disciplined and you can reach out to me on Facebook. You can just search me. I'm at Oak street Baptist church. Um, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, you can email me, uh, another old school thing, you know, Stephen, my name at osbcgram.com and, and a couple things, uh, like we, I do. I do counseling for youth ministers and youth workers. Like it's something that, that I love to do um, because it's important and it's needed. Um, I'm, you know, hoping to do some group counseling things with some youth pastors, you know? So if this is, if this is something, if you're listening and you're like, man, I, I feel like I need some of this in my life, please reach out to me. And I would love to get you plugged into that. Um, I, I do some, uh, some, some talks on um, just the counseling side of, like uh, we have one on, on sexual identity on, you know, what God's word says about how to talk to your, your teenagers about sex and sexuality. Um, there's one on uh, social media and identity uh, that I've done. And so I'd be honored to come and, and do something like that at your church um, to help bless your parents and to bless your ministry. Um, but again, my main focus is you guys. And so even if you just want to reach out, if you have any questions, uh, I'd be honored to talk to you and, and help you in whatever way I can. So email, Facebook, those are the best things. I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not as cool as a lot of you guys, man. I'm just, uh, Way to go, I, old know. Man. I know. <laughs> so I don't know if it's become evident, but I, so I met Steven in one of our, and I think I mentioned this in the previous episode, me and mm -hmm. Steven have been friends for gosh, 10 years ish. Wow. Yeah. Um, it, it probably, I don't know. And so we definitely have known each other for a long time. And, uh, mm -hmm. it, it's one of those things that like, when you find community that is relevant and community that matters, mm -hmm. you don't have to be alone in ministry, but yeah. you can have community and ministry without people being in the same town as well. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that I wanted to mention as we close is we've done an episode with Travis Deans in the past, and he talked about the importance of networking. And he's a part of a group called the National Network of Youth Ministry or National Network of Youth Ministers. And mm -hmm. you can get on nnym.org. The uh, link will be in the show notes on our website. Um, but you can actually type in where you are in the country 
and it'll say, hey, these youth pastors are in your area. Um, and so you can awesome. literally go and reach out and find these different opportunities for them uh, for to just see if there's any other youth pastors in your area. Um, if not, reach out to us on this podcast. We love talking with youth pastors. Um, it is a heart of all three, me, David, and Russell. We've all done um, 10 plus years of youth ministry, and uh, our heart is on the ones that are struggling. Our heart is on the ones that are new, that are getting into the game. Um, and we definitely want to be a resource as well. You can reach out to us, podcast at studentministry.com, studentministryconversations.org, excuse me. Um, and it's it's something that we are passionate about as well. Uh, but that is all the time that we have for this show. If you're a frequent listener of our podcast, all we ask um, is that you do your part by getting our podcast out to the greater student ministry audience. Um, share our podcast with your youth pastor friends on social media or tag a specific episode that really stood out to you um, like this one because it was awesome. Um, either way, be sure to tag us in the post on your favorite platform by using at talk student men. Um, and then finally, if you want to be on the show, our bread and butter is you guys like we want to have your voice. We want you to be heard on this podcast just as much as anybody else. So if you'd like to be on the show, reach out to us on social media or send us an email podcast at studentministryconversations.org. And we'd love to set up a time that you can come on the show with us. Um, but man, Stephen, love getting to hang out, whether it's a podcast or golf or all of the things. Um, but yeah, great conversation. It's been a lot of fun. Um, great topic. And I'm excited to once again, get this conversation out because I think this is one of yeah. the most important conversations that we can put in the ears of youth pastors everywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so if you're listening to this, uh, please reach out to us. We would love to have a conversation with you outside of this episode. Um, and if you are needing that community, please, please, please be bold enough to make that first step mm -hmm. and contact one of mm -hmm. us. And we'd love yeah. to have those conversations. But until next time, we hope that you have a great week um, and we will see you next Thursday.